Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Did you enjoy the passing conference last week? Yes, I enjoyed it very much. I took lots of notes. And oh, did you? That's very good. Yes. Um, well, often my notes don't mean much uh, after a day or two, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you've got them, and I've that's got what really them. matters. So I've um, highlighted in pink... Um, oh, marvellous. ...a few things I would like to talk to you about. Um, so these were my takeaways, as it were. Okay. One of them this is very organized and good. Well, um, one of them you actually mentioned yourself when when doing the conference. So that and 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 some of them once you and anyway, yeah. So this one was you said um, you need to really have a good knowledge of the community um, you want to pass for. Um, mm. And I hadn't really thought about that so much, but I, I think that came out in quite a few in quite a few talks. Um, yes, and I, it did. And I can't remember on on what occasion after which one you you sort of mentioned it. Um, but it's something I hadn't really thought about, and I was wondering in specifically about etiquette books. Um, oh yes, of course. And how they sort of play into that, because for mm. for most. You know, for most situations, there is probably not a book that tell you how to pass for someone else. But for in terms of class, um, I guess etiquette books, books try to do that. Um, yeah, that's true. And really, they're so incredibly detailed. And I think that was something more and more as I was thinking about this conference theme and kind of putting together an introduction for it, more and more. I was kind of amazed at the levels of observation mm. that you had to have. It, it's like you have to observe the other and you have to observe yourself mm. really minutely because I think it's like tiny details that give you away. Mm. Things that probably if you're part of that group, you don't even realize mm. is crucial. Um, Cause it, it was a, um, because the, the clip that I wanted to show from Paris is burning is really telling and really it's i mean it's very funny but it's also very poignant that the, the classification the category is um evening dress women's evening dress mm -hmm. so then there becomes this dispute because one of them one of the contestants is you know looking amazing in like a slinky white dress and furs and diamonds and la la but she hasn't got an evening purse and there's this like really famous bit where they're saying a lady do carry a evening person and it's like that's something that would be so automatic as a woman mm. to have your purse to have your little handbag with you but if that's something outside your realm of experience you know you wouldn't necessarily yes. think of it you know but you but you would give yourself away as like there's something off here yeah mm. you know and it's those details that are so fascinating mm. yeah I think and the other thing that it sort of related um, was, I think that came out a few times, and like you just said, that can happen. That the the person, kind of person, type of person you want to pass for, um, is that the right word uh, or yeah. s? Um, that you maybe slightly misunderstand yeah. that that there's a misunderstanding, or I think related to that is 
it's um I, it struck me particularly um when uh, i'm just trying to look at the names uh, kalina yingnan deng talked about um wanting to be american and at some point she became a cheerleader yes. and yes. and it's it's what do you sort of pick in 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 the type of personal community you want to fit in as the thing you want to be because it's not necessarily homogenous um target field a target field is the only no, word exactly. i can sort of think of yeah, um, yeah no no it's absolutely true and and there are a lot of really interesting examples because yes kalina um was talking about asian women in america well they're american women but they're of asian heritage and that was fascinating and again i think with all of these they're shot through with such poignancy because of the pressures the sort of societal pressures that push towards people wanting to pass, mm. but also that she is American. Yes. And why does she have to kind of prove it? And I thought it was really kind of fascinating of her. And the, I thought the most fascinating bit of her talk was when she was comparing herself to her sister who was born in America, mm. that she was born in China and she, her sister in America. That was really interesting that how it, how it, had to be something as you say that she sort of observed and became a cheerleader but also I thought that linked to um Grant Johnson's paper on Ralph Lauren mm. and how his Jewishness has kind of been erased from his name and he's constructed this sort of fantasy waspy world yeah that he projects mm. it's that's a... all, yeah that's just a fantasy of that thing mm. yeah yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting as well. Mm. So, yeah, so this observance, but also then sometimes slightly misunderstanding or picking one aspect that yeah. you want to want to be. Or, or kind of doing it so perfectly that it becomes a parody. Yeah. Or doing it so perfectly that no one from that group would actually have all those things on at once. Yeah, that's Because I true. think that sometimes with some of Ralph Lauren's, particularly his sort of late 80s advertising, that there's kind of too much it's too much to have your cable sweater and your polo neck mm. and your you know what I mean it's like you think oh my goodness do we need all of this at once mm. and also I think he's kind of compelling as an example because of the way that he draw he he has no kind of qualms about which historical period which ethnic group he adds in but he kind of waspifies everything Mm. you know so like there'll be native american really inappropriate let's yes. say yeah. takes on native american dress which are then turned into waspiness but this is being done by a jewish man seeking to waspify himself mm. and his brand so it's this enormous kind of knot of passing and appropriation and 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 an idea of Americanness as you know, I think I mentioned that the the book Barbara Schreier's book Becoming American, yeah, yeah. which I, is so good. It's from the nineties, mid nineties. But the, this sort of sense in which being American is a continual process, and that sort of in certain points of history, it's really acute that awareness that you have to become American. So she's talking about Jewish immigrants from. Um, the sort of late 19th, early 20th century mm. uh, in this relation, but so interesting in relation to Ralph Lauren. And also, like you just say, I mean, what the group you want to join um, is not, it will change. A, it's not homogenous. Yeah. 
and yeah. and it will will change so you constantly have to be on your toes yes no that's such a good point i think that's so interesting um that you said to me before about how it's kind of exposing how we want something you know an identity to be fixed in order to mm. observe it and look at it but you know even the fact of being copied or or looked to makes that other group want to change yeah i know? guess Cause, so because mm. in a way it's the compulsion of fashion isn't it mm. but mm. it's it's turned into something much more personal and meaningful because it's about and also it's like whether you're just wearing a ralph lauren you know cable knit because you like it or you like his brand or whatever or whether you're doing it because you want to see Mosby. it's like what's the kind of um value to you and what do what that garment and what do wasps actually really wear i always have to think yeah i always rem- um, had to think about when I see Le Ralph Lauren I always have to think of Tina Barney and her photos and <laughs> yes. and some of yeah. it they do look <laughs> some of them do look like Ralph Lauren yeah. no, sometimes I mean, it's not do. that far off um, no it's really not no it's a brilliant it's a brilliant assimilation mm. and it's interesting how often he's in his own ads that's true I also thought that, that and then the other thing I thought but maybe that was silly when I saw all the photos of him how how Hair, hair seems to be a big thing for him. Not sort of chest yes, hair. Literally a big thing. Yeah, chest hair and 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 mm. yeah, that is always quite exposed. And I, I was true. wondering about the meaning of that. that whether is true. whether there whether there was a meaning there. Um, yeah. Maybe not. I He's don't know. being burly and manly <laughs> and passing as a wasp simultaneously. Yeah. But maybe it's a, like a, a sort of self-reflexive critique of waspiness, which isn't so much that. I don't. Ah, know. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it could be that it's sort of is could... it like a parapraxis is it like a freudian slip it could be that, that he's, too. he's simultaneously being that thing and showing you that he's not ah oh i don't know that sounds very interesting to that's, follow that's up that's like yeah. so multi-layered yeah we're getting meta now <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So I'll get yeah. to my other two takeaways Oh, yes, now. yes, please. So, again, they're all connected. So um, I was wondering also that, so passing seems to imply that the original identity, if that's the right word, is still there somewhere. Mm. And I just wondered about, um, related to that, is when, when is passing performance or when when can you actually, can you actually ever turn into this other thing you're trying to pass for yeah. is at some point is this not passing anymore but you've changed you've, you've become, become that yeah. thing mm. and... i mean i suppose it's like rav lauren has he become that mm. but then the fact that we still talk about him not being that implies otherwise i mean it's interesting i think within drag the idea of realness mm. of like in in paris is burning they talk about could you get on the subway and get off and, and take a whole trip on the subway and get off without being beaten up mm. as that thing like you're that convincing but then I suppose you're still not that thing you're aware that you're performing that that mm. entity and also it, it was very poignant that um sorry I keep saying poignant for some reason um Elizabeth Way's paper on the Nella Larson books mm. um where she she writes about sort of black women, pale-skinned black women passing, but also that different white audiences expect different things of blackness. Mm. And so 
I thought yeah, I thought that was ways it's done. I thought that was was her paper. I thought it was so interesting when she talked about how nineteen twenties fashion, in particular, I guess more than thirties, was so colorful often. Yes, and then that yes. that is the cliche people had of um, black women that they wear colorful yeah. clothes. But so, but so you were had this sort of is it a double bind or something? If you want yes, to be yes. if you want to be modern, you should wear really colorful clothes. But then that. Yeah. That you know makes you um, conform to the cliche idea that people yes. have have of you, um, but I do wonder when sort of when does the passing and performance is, are so seem to be so aligned but not the same and um, I I don't I didn't I don't quite know what exactly the difference no, is. No, it's it's really I suppose it's like that that sort of line between performativity and performance as in making it a spectacle. Mm. So I guess if you're trying in your day-to-day life to pass as white or to pass as a woman or to pass as a man or... As upper class uh, or... or, Yeah, as upper class or a different religion, maybe that's exposing the sort of performativity of identity, but someone going to a drag ball is spectacularising... It, it, it's spectacularizing the performativity of identity mm. and turning it into a conscious performance that needs an audience. Because mm. I was thinking about that. I just read this really, you know, the French um, fashion studies journal, Mode Practique. Oh, yeah. I really like that mm, me um, too. journal. Yeah. And I just got the, the, English? the third copy, the English version. Mm, yeah, I've got that too, yeah. And it's so good, isn't it? And mm. I really like Farid Chanoun's um, essay on the magic ball in Paris. Oh, I haven't which, read that yet. Oh, you must read it. It's really fascinating because it's apparently there was a like a a fun fair, like a what do you call it? You know, like a, like Coney Island only. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, in Paris from from sort of early twentieth century, and it was gradually sort of shut down. But there were two ballrooms on it which remained for a while, and there were. Um, annual drag balls for Mardi Gras and I think for another celebration in the year and it's really fascinating how during the 20s these were huge you know like thousands of people would go mm. and like Josephine Baker would be a judge and you know celebrities and sort of society people would go and there'd be it what what I found really interesting and it really links to what you're you're saying about when does it become a performance is it was really making me aware of how much there needs to be an audience for this because it talked about how the kind of drag queen elite would turn up later. Mm, to so make an entrance. There was like, or... Yeah, so that mm. they would be seen and commented on when they came into the into the building and then, you know, prizes were awarded. So that sense which you get, you know, you see in Paris is Burning, you see it in RuPaul's Drag Race, that, that you are consciously performing this thing and you can perform different versions of mm. womanliness or whatever it is you're trying to, to do, I think is really interesting. And how that interaction with the crowd is absolutely crucial mm. to, to, to what you're doing. It's part of the performance is, is hearing that and responding to it. Because most of, Shanoon writes about how most of the sort of traces left by these, these balls, which were, you know, really sort of fascinating and big is from police reports. Oh, really? Mm. Because, and as you get into the 30s and it gets more kind of right-wing with politics, 
um, there's more clampdown on men dressing as women. Although I, I'm pretty sure that he says that it was illegal for a woman to dress as a man, but not for a man to dress as a woman. Mm. But, um, you know, obviously anti-homosexual laws as well. Yeah, so true. gradually mm. it gets shut down. But um, there's this really good description from a policeman about... Because they're just... It's just sort of reportage from the policeman because they're just chronicling. I mean, obviously from their viewpoint of, of these um, kind of incredibly dressed drag queens arriving and then being, you know read basically by the crowd waiting outside so there's like the crowd outside then the crowd inside then the official judging so it's like three audiences oh and i guess your peers as well Mm. um and how one drag queen looked really sort of immaculate and then it says you know broke the spell because in the voice of a taxi driver then berated someone for reading (laughs) and i i really that's something I really like on Drag Race is is the kind of way that it's it's being you know what you know Madonna or whatever that week's runway is, but it's also breaking that. And I suppose in a way it's like what we're saying about Ralph Lauren. It's like being that thing really immaculately and beautifully, and it is like an art form, but it's also you want people to know you've created this. Yeah, because it's, yeah, you're so good at it. Because yes. if people, yeah, you're so good at it that people would could easily mistake you for what you have become. But mm. you want people, like you just said, you want people to admire how well yes. you've done it. And yeah. that only works yeah. that, and that only works if people know you've done it. Yes, um, exactly. That you, so. your artistry needs to be recognized. Mm. And because I must say that it's my MA students who have got me watching RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I don't know how I've not watched it. I um, haven't watched it. I saw it the other oh, day because I finally got Netflix and I, oh, I right. almost clicked on it, but I clicked on something else. But you and must, then... It's so funny because they've been saying to me all year, you must watch it, you must watch it. And I finally started. So we, we had lunch together on Friday and it was very much kind of, and what do you think of this person? What do you think? <laughs> it was really fun. They're so lovely. Um, but, but one thing that's really interesting, though, is I think it's like season eight. There's someone who is a Britney Spears um, impersonator in Vegas. Mm. And one of the judges' comments, which is a really, seems to be very spot on, is that they criticize her for doing her makeup like a woman. And that you're not meant to do it like a woman, you're meant to do it like a drag artist. So things like blocking out your eyebrows. So she's trying to learn how to block out her eyebrows. Mm. And they have these things that are like fat print sticks, glue Mm -hmm. sticks, that are purple stuff. I really, I would like someone to, I'm sure there must be a YouTube video I could watch to understand this better, that seems to glue down your eyebrows so they're completely smooth and flat to your skin. And then you kind of block it out with sort of concealer level, um, foundation stuff and then you draw them back on so i mean that's like a sort of key example of mm. of of what we're talking about the isn't artistry, it? that it's like yeah. yeah that it's like it's not that you groom your existing eyebrows mm. according to the fashion it's that you can create your own and do them better mm. um which i think is fascinating yeah and i also love how rupaul is lit like she gets the absolute best lighting as mm. she should when she like comes on to do her judging she's like in a sort of hollywood halo of <laughs> glowy amazing light 
Oh, that sounds like something we could do with. I know. I was thinking mm. we need to work out how we get that, how mm. we get that permanently on us. Mm. Yeah. But what's your next point? You had another point. Uh, no, I think that was all that my was points. All point. Yeah, they were very good points. Thank you very, very much. Points. Thank you very much. Um, no, it was really, really interesting. Um, yeah, and lots of stuff I want to sort of I want to follow up on. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting mix of people, I think, as well. And it was nice how international the speakers were. Yeah. And I thought... Because I really... Sorry, go on. And a lot of them were really... <laughs> I'm using the word again, poignant, but a lot of them... Yeah. I think you said um, in your introduction um, that it's it's passing A is not, not often not a choice, but it's always a loss. Um, yes. Yeah, that's that from really, Alison Hobbs. Book. Yeah, Alison Hobbs, A Chosen Exile, A History of Racial Passing in American Life. Yes, it's, yeah, I think that's, that's exactly it, this sort of sense of a loss. And it, I think um, that was the other thing that came up uh, through really strongly, sort of this constant attempt mm. of people to, to try and pass as something yes. else and a constant being constantly people poking holes or yes. you know unmasking or whatever the right word is um and society just not letting them um yeah no it's really it, it's it's this reaction to oppression and yes sometimes the kind of white heteronormative ideal pushes people into trying to in a, to essentially leading a clandestine life where they have to become oh sorry code is barking, um, <laughs> where they have to become they have to try and be white and abandon their real family and friends mm. and and life and become something else or yes it's it's that you are, are spectacularizing it and kind of reinforcing it and showing it and i also like from her book that she talks about just the very fact that you can pass is a critique of the very idea of race or indeed mm, gender yeah. as a fixing. If you can pass, then it doesn't then mean. the prejudice is, is false. Well, of course mm. it is false, but do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, exposing yeah. The, the kind of fallacy of the mm. system, really, which I think is good. Mm. I mean, I wonder, what do you think? I was thinking about it um, because like, one of the things with Paris is Burning, which came out in 1990 and so is, is sort of filmed in the late 80s, is that it seems so closed off. It's as though that film was exposing a subcultural world that most people would never have known about. And that now, however many years later, we have Drag Race on, you know, Netflix, that it's it's a sort of much more mainstream thing that's known about, but it's still something that's judged problem, problematic Hmm. by sort of conservative with a small c people but i wondered whether like digital media helps break down these these ideas of norms because it gives much easier access to people like you rather than just the you know the sort of dictated ideas yeah i'm sure that definitely helps but i also um it definitely helps. I heard, uh, there was, I think, there was something on BBC Four recently about that whole thing. How, it was there. Yeah, how maybe I radio four. Um, maybe I mix it up. I definitely heard something about a whole program where people talked a lot about how, how they saw something on YouTube and suddenly thought, oh yeah, that's like me. That's like me. I'm not the only person. Yes. Um, but I also think, um, what what it also strikes me as is how it went away and came 
back how it seems to go in waves because I'm I must talk to my mother about it but I'm absolutely I'm quite certain that in the 70s she went she had a friend in Paris and there was this place called the Alcazar I'm quite sure that's what it was called and there were um, sort of drag queens performing there and it was quite a it was a lot of people went there it was just really well known and you get the sort of La Cage Fall I'm not exactly sure when 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 that comes out and that's true there seems it seems to be be quite mainstream for a while and then um maybe in inverted commas and then it gets suppressed maybe suppressed is not the right word but uh, i mean sometimes i'm a bit cynical about stuff like that and i think it has to do with money you know if you can make money out of it it suddenly (laughs) well no certainly there is a commercialization isn't there there's Mm. like an exploitation as well as a sort of very positive exposure and platform for people um, to perform on. But I suppose it's also, it's like how, it's, it's also sort of how much people can continue to define themselves, even if they're defining themselves through their ability to pass or their ability to perform as something other than the way they were sort of defined by society mm. i think that was a very convoluted sentence but hopefully you know what i mean <laughs> i think i do you think maybe somewhere in there there was a meaning <laughs> but not necessarily very good meaning. um no i think it's just that i yeah i think it's really brilliant if people can if it breaks down and it you know we yeah. talked before about like it brain breaking down sort of very fixed ideas of gender identity and racial identity i think it's also as well we haven't talked so much about class Mm. but i think that's a really really important one as well i think particularly in britain um that that there's less kind of pressure to to sort of acquire a sort of middle class facade Mm. you know i guess Um, there are some sort of enclaves enclaves like the city where you still apparently, from what I hear, you still have to conform, or you know, there seem this. It still seems to be quite homogenous, sort of. You mean like in finance? Yeah, yeah, in yeah. London, yeah, in finance. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, you're right. That's definitely a bit less of a problem. I, I, I also thought a lot about sort of women in mm. men's world. Oh, and, that's true. Yeah, that's um, true. Actually, isn't it? Because that's a different kind of. It's not completely passing yeah. as a man, but it's having the ability to kind of negotiate a male space. Mm. And I... it's really it's really like a fine line between asserting confidence, independence, power, etc., but still being feminine. Mm. That if you go too far either way, you'll be commented on. Yes. Mm. 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 It's, yeah, well, mm, it's tricky. Like it was interesting what Olga Weinstein was talking about in terms of um, Edith Wharton novels and like having to pass in terms of class, in terms of prettiness, in terms of kind of national identity. Yeah, and also I I loved, I know that maybe hasn't got that much to do with, oh no, it has something to do with passing. I love this thing <laughs> that you have to put away your Paris dresses. Yes. For two oh, years in yes. Boston and for one year in New York. <laughs> yes. Because yes, otherwise you're too... That was so interesting that you'd be seen as vulgar if yeah. you wore new fashions. Mm. So funny. Well, not funny. Yeah. Funny 
funny not, not ha ha exactly but yeah. i think the other thing maybe that was were expressions she used i i wrote down tailoring of identity and yes. vestimentary mistakes which i loved i loved that I expression but it's interesting yes. i mean it does make total sense and maybe it's obvious but how much the the terminology of sewing and tailoring is used for identity yeah. you know you knit it together or you I don't know. It it's it... well. Uh, no, I think it is. It is well. Also, just the fact that fashion also means to make. Mm, true. But yeah. but it, it was it was making me think after the conference, and I was kind of thinking about all these different ways in which dress is so crucial in in being who you are to yourself, being who you are to the people around you, or in manipulating that. That is that also one of the reasons why fashion is often looked down on, that it's looked down on because of that power. Do you see what I mean? That it's like it's trying to sort of squash interests in fashion as sort of trivial and superficial to try and fight against the fact that you can potentially manipulate and, and reform yourself. Oh, that's interesting. I really like that thought. So, so you you don't want people to unmask you don't want people to know yeah. how it works almost yeah exactly because mm. i was thinking you know that it's like i think it's a very patriarchal thing of like fashion is silly and it's what girls do and it's not proper and intellectual and like it so is and there's like a million examples mm. where it is sadly but still now yeah. Ad- yeah but if you admit that and give it its power and recognize its power you've like completely undermined your whole thing of 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 like you know this is the best race this is the best ethnicity this is the best gender da, da. you know that you're exposing all of that for what it is which is a complete construction mm. yeah that's a really interesting thought once again fashion proves to be the most important thing yes in the world. <laughs> That's probably a good place to end. Yes. <laughs> On that statement, uh, I will leave you. Okay. Well, All I'll right, I'll talk to you soon. Talk then. to you soon. Bye. Right, bye.